You're listening to Listen More with Paige Crystal Wilcox. This is a podcast where I listen to people from around the world offer their opinions, insights, and reflections on character depictions of characters similar to themselves. Could you please introduce yourself to our audience? Certainly. My name is Ross Murray. My pronouns are he, him. I do a lot of different things. My my day job, the one that pays me, is as a senior director with GLAD as a part of the GLAD Media Institute leading up training and education. And I also tend to lead work for them on various campaigns, including international work and religion work. Uh, and the religion is kind of the other part of my life. I am a Lutheran deacon. I am the founder and director of an LGBTQ church camp called The Naming Project. I recently wrote a book about uh, LGBTQ youth ministry and also a podcast producer of my own, um, helping to produce a podcast about a comedy podcast about queer Christianity. And so get to bring all of those aspects together in my life and they overlap in really fun and sometimes really weird ways. It's always fantastic to hear about other media that's being created, media that is new, about new combinations of things. They're not new things that exist in the world, but things that are being spoken about. And I love the idea of using humour to really explore the way different parts of life collide. One of the reasons that drew me to working on it was, and this is true for me too, there's a lot of people that take religion so seriously and piously. And I think that recognizing that we need to be irreverent, we need to make this personal, and to be a personal means it's going to be very real and human. As a Christian, God or Jesus don't just like float above the earth and never get dirty. They were very dirty and involved with life and the world and all of the weird things that we do as humans and why we're shaped the way we do and what, you know, and all that. And, and to talk about our real lives. And so the podcast is a way to do that and to never let ourselves get too judgy or scoldy or preachy because we're going to follow up something that is incredibly earnest and incredibly heartfelt with with a joke right and and that joke could be a pun it could be a sexualized joke it could be anything and i think it it helps to decompartmentalize those parts of our life that's a very interesting perspective on that. I'm a very proud, this is part of being a deacon too, is that um, in the Lutheran church, which is what I am, the uh, calling of a deacon is, we call it where the church meets the world. It is word, um, preaching, proclamation, things like that, and service. And so what I do is of service to the world. And my call as a deacon, and this is very technical and kind of legal because call is sort of like the contract that you have, is to a job. Um, just like a pastor or a minister is paid for leading a congregation, I also am paid for LGBTQ advocacy. So my calling is to GLAD, and GLAD is um, supports my call. It means that I'm sort of a representative of the church, even as I do sometimes secular LGBTQ advocacy, and I get to bring a religious voice into that face, and I make that a part of my work and action in the world. And the podcast is just another reflection of that as well. Can we speak to a world that that does it, you know, you can get introspective, there's nothing wrong with that, but also people don't feel like they have to, and they can still be very faithful and very exploratory, even while they're, uh, you know, while they're laughing at themselves and their relationship with God and the rest of the world. I'm pretty sure I haven't mentioned that I have referred a lot of people to the GLAD Media Guide, 
people who are struggling to talk about the community. Aside from that media reference, which really breaks down terminology and gives a little bit of information about why certain terminologies should be avoided, are there any other resources that you feel are good for people who create media inclusive of the religious aspect? Yeah, I like GLAD resources. I think you're right. The Media Reference Guide is a great, most basic document that is written. It's written in a way that is kind of a do no harm. Like it's mostly don't do this. Um, it, it doesn't say here's the best, most innovative way to do it. It is kind of conservative in that nature. And then, and to try to help people be more innovative, to be more groundbreaking in their representation, that's what we pulled up with the rest of our resources. So I also always highly recommend the Studio Responsibility Index and the Where We Are on TV report, which admittedly are very US-centric. So this, they may be slightly less helpful in Australia, but it does give, it gives us a snapshot and an understanding of what the state of LGBTQ representation is. And the nice thing is it's a moving target. What is innovative and groundbreaking now in 2022 is not what would have been considered innovative and groundbreaking when I started at GLAAD 10 years ago. And both of those reports and the, the media and the stories that we recognize through the GLAAD Media Awards, also you can see that progress happening. So I always find that really helpful. And then as the person that does religion, I always want to make sure that we can have and include religion resources that, again, give an accurate snapshot of the relationship between LGBTQ people and religion. And so, you know, a look, and again, a look at who gets to be a spokesperson on the evening news or to a news outlet to talk about religion and LGBTQ people. Is it a religious LGBTQ person? Is it an anti-LGBTQ person that is very apt to use religion? Is it a, um, is it a LGBTQ person that thinks that maybe we shouldn't be talking about religion at all. And so they're going to avoid it and, and, and helping to kind of know who says that has been helpful. I did a study like that 10 years ago for Gladys. That study is now 10 years old. I'm time, for a new one. time for a new one. I know grantors, funders come, come find me. Center for American progress has done a more recent one that kind of built on the one that we did in 2012. And I find that to be really helpful as well as looking at the history of where we've been. All these things that I've created often have timelines in them to sort of say, here's what the history is. So when, um, when Pope Francis came to visit the United States in 2015, we did a lot of resources and guides. And part of that was, you know, how do we talk about what has been arguably the more LGBTQ friendly Pope than we've had? in history, along with the long history of anti-LGBTQ movement and action that's come from the Vatican, even under Pope Francis, right? And to hold that complexity and to not make it super simplistic and to do that work with LGBTQ Catholic people that are still in the faith. And so putting out examples like that or putting out resources that just help people kind of understand the complexity has been really, really important to me. And I do think the other resources that are good are these LGBTQ religious resources. Some of them come from other organizations like the Reformation Project or uh, the Q Christian Fellowship or, or several others. But I think they've been helping a lot of people do personal reconciliation. And what I really want is something out there that can do that societal transformation. 
we just finished, as I'm talking to you, I just finished the Q Christian Fellowship Conference. And my workshop often is sort of less about personal, like faith healing and reconciliation and more like, let's go out and change the world. And so pushing them to do that and pushing others to do that as well. I love hearing from people who are doing very meaningful work. You did mention a few things about documents and guides that are US centric. Definitely that's that's a problem that I see. I think probably because from the perspective of Australia, I'm not sure what the percentage is, but the majority of our media does actually come from the USA. So we are heavily influenced by it. We make very relatively or create very relatively small amounts of media ourselves, even if I didn't want to chat with people all over the world, which was just something that I wanted to do anyway. It is in my interest and the interest of people in my life to to try to influence US media in, in a positive way because it directly impacts us. We, we live mm-hmm. it and breathe it. I have talked to some advocates and, and part of Leading Glad's global work, this has been a part of what I've done, is to also talk with people about how, you know, how to recreate that reporting or that work that we do in the United States and to create one that is country specific. And I have talked to advocates in Australia uh, to talk about how to recreate a television report or a film report, especially in a way, you know, scale small. GLAAD has been doing this now for over 36, 37 years now. We built this all over time. And so it's kind of hard to compare where we are now with someone that just wants to start. And so my first advice was, you know, do a television report, but keep it very narrow. The GLAD television report is, we call it prime time scripted. And I know this year it's making a major expansion because it's streaming is now expanding with all the streaming platforms. And that is just more to have to research. And I said, look, do like primetime broadcast scripted Australian original content. Like maybe if you exclude the, like that could be, you could analyze that. And that is a plenty of a report. It doesn't have you having to repeat what we're doing with GLAD the United States and also has a direct influence because there is a film and television agency ministry that can look at this and say, wow, these are the things that we're putting out. And here's the way in which you might be better or ahead of us in the US or a place to say, here are the gaps where we could fill in and then, you know, find ways to encourage that. So it's always, you know, it's always what you can do with it. Something that a lot of content creators have complained about is having to walk on eggshells and not knowing what they can and can't do, feeling stifled because they want to tell stories, but they're afraid of stepping on toes. How do we look at that that gap between creative freedom and with the Glad Media Guide of just setting out, well, here's just some basic don't do's. Is it more complex than that? It is complex. And as I said, this is an evolving thing. Glad's reports, let me be very clear, Glad's reports measure characters. It does not address or measure who is playing those characters. And there's been a much bigger conversation about cisgender people playing transgender characters. And then beyond that, what else it doesn't measure is who gets to tell those stories. That is a much bigger conversation because it often has to do with the gatekeeping that exists within the entertainment industry. And who is high caliber enough to get a television deal or a film deal to be able to tell those stories is often straight 
white guys and and they've been the ones that historically been there which means we don't even other people with the ability to to cut their teeth right and to get that relevant experience to say i want to tell a story that is really personal to me and i think i think tools like your podcast help to get to that right whose stories haven't been told and then also Who's going to tell them in the way it's the best, most authentic thing possible? You, you know, I can I can watch something and I can say that person probably wasn't gay. That person probably wasn't religious or they are. I can tell that they're religious the way that they're doing this and to pick up some of that stuff. And I think that's also why we want to look for this complex intersectional way of storytelling and find ways that we can empower people that do get to tell their stories on their terms and to be able to have the studio network doors open and the funding to back that and the ability to take a risk on that because it's always risky right the lgbtq inclusive stories run counter to the idea that audiences aren't going to watch something that's too niche and i talk about this you know it's a business case hollywood is a very conservative industry they want to fund and produce sure bets which is why you know we're up to 18 transformer movies or whatever we have now because they know they can get an audience for that an, a story about a queer muslim falling in love and fighting crime that's where they get scared right even though it is morally the right thing to do then there's always the okay but can we can we make money off of it and studios might want to do some stuff morally but don't always want to do something financially <laughs> That's a really good point with the industry. It is a business and the motivations are business. Do you think that it would be helpful to have more policy and legislation? There's two things. This is also what I think happens with the media is we're in this odd cycle is that the media often tells us that they are giving us what we want, right? But we are getting limited options of what even exists out there. And if I say I want to see a queer Muslim crime fighter doesn't mean that I'm going to get that because they might think, well, that's niche. That's just you. Nobody else really wants to see that. Just you, Ross. And I've got to find ways that we can also incentivize audiences to let people know what kind of content they want to see. And when films come out, we as an audience or television shows or whatever, we as audiences kind of do have to rally behind it to prove that there really is an audience for it. And I feel like I feel like series like Pose was a risk, right? It was taken because by that point, Ryan Murphy can kind of do whatever he wants. And he decided to use some of that clout and that good of, I'm going to hand a show over to a bunch of queer and transgender people of color, and it'll have my name, which means people will trust it. They'll write the checks. They'll do the things. I'll even in season one, cast some high profile, well-known safe actors, but that's all a Trojan horse, right? Like the real heart of the story are these actors that most people didn't know of talking about a life and a culture that most people weren't familiar with and being good and compelling enough that the audience there stayed. And I know it only lasted for three seasons, but that's that's a good run for a TV show and and can be successful. And and I feel like there's always, you know, there's there's always there's always that. And so it's not just regulation, it's also making sure that we have audiences. And of course, we want to see good stuff. We don't want to watch crap. And sometimes I know sometimes we feel like, oh, sometimes I just feel obligated to watch crap because that's what's there. And I want more good stuff, but I feel like I have to get through the crap to get to the good stuff. And I want to say on the record, now that I'm calling, I'm not calling queer media crap, but I am saying we have definitely grown and evolved in a way that we get to tell really good 
nuanced stories with high production values. And we're, we're, we're getting to a place now that, that seems to be a real reality. And it took a long time to get there. I never in a million years would have thought that we would be where we are today with some of the fantastic uh, representation that we have with, with that high production value. I feel less inclined now to suffer through the, the stuff that is like, yes, somebody had a great story, but they didn't have the tools to really execute it well. A really great tool that I've recommended now for the last year and a half that kind of says that more eloquently than what I did is the film Disclosure, Trans Lives on Screen, specifically about transgender representation in media. And I know there's a part where Jen Richards says, you know, the thing that would solve this is more representation. And if, you know, if there's only one trans character and it's a clunky, awkward character, it's so devastating because that's the only one there is. If there was a clunky one in amongst 200 really good ones, no one's going to care that much about the one kind of clunky one. But right now there's so few, they all have to be perfect because they are carrying the weight of an entire community, an entire movement on them. And I think that's true for transgender representation, but I think that's true for so much underrepresentation. is, you know, I want to see something. I go back to, you know, religion and LGBTQ people. I don't want to see the, like, personal pain and conflict and the how do I learn that God loves me and accept. Like, I, I want some things where they're assumed or that someone's in leadership or that it's more about the, the, the politicky side of church life, which is real and is there and, and would love to see things like that. And, and again, I know that there's a risk and I know that the ones that we get still kind of get kind of simplistic about what's good or bad about religion or what's the conflict between religion and LGBTQ people. And so I always want to see if there's ways that we can we can get into that even deeper. And, I, and I'm starting to see projects that are starting to address that more and more. Are there any final takeaways that you'd like to share with the audience? I'm going to go back to where my sweet spot is. We talk about a lot of representation, but my like the overlap between LGBTQ and religion is really the area that I think the the most about. And and I want it, I want to understand something that is not a either or, a struggle between two beasts. There are some incredible LGBTQ faith leaders who are out there doing great work. And sometimes they're working to change the culture of their church, but sometimes they're just motivated to be, if in my words, sharing the gospel, right? Or advancing justice in the world because that's what they're feeling called to do. And I want to see more fictional stories that look and sound like the folks that I see that are doing some incredible kick-ass work in real life. So that's my admonition for, for everyone making content out there. Thank you so much for your time today. It has been a pleasure speaking with you. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Listen More with Paige Crystal Wilcox. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, head to my website, pagecrystalwilcox.com. And don't forget, to subscribe and share.